Hi, sisters. Oh, I'm so excited to bring this story of another woman of faith to you. I am going to be talking to you today about Fanny Crosby. Did you know that she was blind and she wrote over 9,000 hymns, many which we still sing today? If you're ready for an inspiring story, stick around. Hey family, welcome to God's Word, Transforming Lives. Are you ready to dive deeper into your walk with Christ? Do you desire to learn His Word with a greater understanding that applies to your daily living? Do you feel like you're in a vicious cycle of victory and defeat? My name is Amy, and friend, I was so frustrated with my faith walk for decades. No matter what I did, I could not escape the symptoms that trauma from my childhood left me with. Not only that, I didn't seem to experience any victory that I read about in the Word of God. And even worse, I couldn't see it or experience it in my church life either. It all left me feeling even more confused and more empty. I knew Christ was the way and the truth and the life, and I knew His Word was the answer. So finally one day, I got fed up with living in defeat. And I became determined to find the Jesus of Scripture. I discovered true faith in Christ and had to unlearn much of what I had been taught. With God's Word and His Spirit, I have been free from anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, and suicidal thoughts for almost 15 years. And I have learned a tool set to overcome my past trauma and losses. God's Word has transformed my life. If you are ready for truth and transformation, then hop into the slow cooker with me and let's marinate together in God's Word. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus and they love one another? They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning His Word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. Hello, sisters. I am so excited to share some um, more women of faith with you. One that I have been looking into is Fanny Crosby. Wow. Her life has totally just inspired me. And it just, I love studying women of faith, women of our past faith, current faith, and just how God has used his daughters to do amazing things. And it just gives us encouragement that we are the daughters of a great king who chose us out of darkness to go and be the hands and feet of his son. And he uses us um, individually and he uses us differently to do great things when we are submitted to his will and to what he has called us to do with the gifts that he's called us to do them with. So let's get into it. Fanny Crosby was born in 1820. So, you know, that was quite a long time ago. She has written over 9,000 hymns, which when I tell you about her is going to blow your mind because she was an amazing hymn writer, uh, played all kinds of music, wrote a bunch of poetry. She wrote cantatas. She um, even wrote a lot of secular songs that they sung back then. But what's so unique about her is that when she was six weeks old, she became blind. Now, the doctors back then 
um, said that she had an infection that kind of caused her eyes to get inflamed. And then they put something in their eyes and it ruined the corneas. And so that's how she became blind. Modern doctors who've looked at her case think that she was actually born blind and that because it was had only been six weeks, the doctors and the parents didn't realize that she was actually blind and it wasn't the sickness at all. It was actually genetic that she was born that way. Either way, she was blind. So, and there was no cure for her and that she didn't let that stop her. She went on to go to the city of, uh, to the blind, the New York, um, blind Institute and, um, went on to be educated and she learned how to play the piano. She learned how to play the organ and the harp and the guitar, like all these instruments. And she sang soprano and she learned to read and write and was a very intelligent woman. So she didn't let this blindness stop her, stop her. And she always had this faith in God. She loved him so much and she loved his word. Her dad died when she was six months old. So she ended up being raised by just her mom and her grandmother. And they had such a devout faith in Jesus Christ that they actually poured the word into her. She was learning and memorizing scripture at a very young age and not just verses like she would memorize entire large passages and chapters of the Bible. She was very dedicated to church. She served in her church, even as a young girl, she was always serving and wanting to be in church and around the things of God. She did not, she was not angry with God that he um, had allowed her to become blind. She saw it as an amazing opportunity to serve him in an even greater capacity. One of the comments that she made was that she's actually glad that she was born blind and that she would not want her sight back, even if she could have it, because she said that all the distractions of the world, if she could see all the world and the distractions of it, that it might actually hinder her from being able to do all the writing and to see the majesty of God, the way that she sees him. And I thought, wow, what an amazing way to look at uh, a thorn in our flesh or an obstacle that we think is an obstacle actually is a blessing. You know, even Paul had said that that thorn in his flesh was something that kept him humble. It buffeted his body. It kept him humble in his walk. You know, he was, he was an apostle. He was taught by Jesus. He wrote what, you know, a thir two thirds of the new Testament, you know, and he could have easily gotten puffed up with pride. And yet he had this thorn that he knew kept him humble. And I, I just see that with her where she just saw that in law, in God's providence in his, in his sovereignty, that her being born blind was actually what she attributed the beautiful hymns and the music and the poetry and the life that she lived. She felt she was able to live it more completely for the Lord by not having a certain distraction that may have, may would have hindered her. She said, and then something else she said, what I thought was really beautiful, where she said, in the first time I'm going to be able to see, I'm going to look upon my Savior's face. He's going to be the first thing I see in glory. And I just thought, man, that is so beautiful. What a beautiful perspective when we are going through things, when we have obstacles in our way, where we can really look to Christ and say, how can I better serve you with this obstacle? How can I... How can I seek your face and see you in this and bring you glory in the midst of my trials and tribulations and the things that I'm going through? So often we want to 
we want to be healed right away, right? We we want to be healed. We don't want to have any trials. We don't want to have any tribulations. We 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 don't see that these things can actually be for our good and his glory, just as the Lord had told us that when these various trials and tribulations happen to us, that they are for our good and his glory if we love him to those who love him. And so she went on after she uh, graduated um, New York. She was actually the first woman to actually speak on the U the United States Senate floor. And she actually recited a poem because she went to the U S Senate to fight for education for blind people. She was passionate about getting the type of education that she had into the hands of anyone with blindness, which would have led to other people with disabilities to be educated and to have opportunities of education. And so she became very political in that sense that she really wanted to, um, you know, help others that had disabilities. And I thought that was so beautiful. So as she's writing all these poems and hymns and reciting poems, she travels from different in different churches and she uh, recites poems and, and is doing all these things. She does end up getting married um, to a, a gentleman and they, they called him Van. Um, that's kind of like was his, his nickname. And she did have one child and the child, unfortunately, died suddenly. Um, they think after it was only a few weeks old, uh, they think it either got the SIDS that we think of today, sudden infant death syndrome, or some people think maybe typhoon fever um, got the child. But either way, one day she woke up and the child was um, passed away. And so I can't even imagine the heartbreak uh, that that would have um, caused her. And she really didn't talk about it a whole lot. But um, she did mention it a few times. And when she did, she really gave God the glory and just understood that, you know, that this child was a gift, even if it was briefly a, a gift and that the child was ultimately his and he could take the child home and that she really believed she would see her child again in glory. And she just really was a woman who knew how to worship the Lord in the depths of despair or in heartache or understand that everything is for her good and his glory, though she couldn't always maybe understand why um, her only child had to pass away at such a young age. But um, she just always gave God the glory. And and she wrote through that her, her hymns and her in the songs that she wrote, the poetry she wrote, she wrote in light of scripture and who she could see who God was on every page of scripture. And she wanted to bring that to the world. Matter of fact, when she was writing her hymns, she would first, before ever, before she even would start writing a hymn, she would pray and she'd pray over the hymn she wanted it to be biblically accurate. She wanted it to be deep in theology. She wanted it to really praise God because he was the one that's worthy of praise. It was always all about him. And she also wanted these hymns to be used to bring people to Christ, to preach the gospel through song to people. And so one of her goals was she wanted to bring a million people to Christ through her hymn writing, which is just such a beautiful um, way to think about it. Just using the gifts that God had given her, using the obstacles that she had been born with to 
bring forth the glorious gospel to, to men and women around the world. And these hymns are still being sung today by congregates all around the world. Now, in her towards the end of her life, in the last 20 to 30 years of her life, when she became 60 years old, she made an, another um, dedication to God where she said, you know, I love that I have written all these hymns. I love that I have been able to use the gift that God has given me to uh, bless the world with, with hymns that point to him and poetry and all kinds of plays and katatas and, you know, even secular music and things that we would consider secular in today's world, secular music is not what secular music was back in the 1800s. But, um, but she, you know, just always was writing. She said, I want to devote my life to the work of missions to help the poor. And she was in New York City. And so she became actively involved in, in different mission type work all over New York City and other places. She was actively involved with the home with homelessness and, and the poor and, and children, orphaned children and um, you know, domestic violence, people that were having, you know, alcohol problems and and just different types of missions within um, her city and she would travel around and help in other churches and she would speak and she would recite poetry and, and um, she would just use all of her giftings to just minister to the less fortunate. And that was her passion. And that's actually what at, at the end of her life, what she wanted to be known for. She didn't actually want to be known for all the hymns that she had written and all the works that she had done um, in the arts. She said, I want to be known for all the rescue missions that I was a part of. I want to be known for helping the poor and serving Christ by laying my life down for others. She lived a humble life. She did not live a life of prestige. And she, the money that came into her, she would pour back out into mission work and into getting the gospel out there, um, not just in proclamation, but also just in service. She really understood being the hands and feet of Jesus and what that meant to really be the church. And I just, in studying her life and her humility and, um, you know, and the things that she had gone through and how, you know, she really looked to God and his sovereignty and she trusted him. She knew that God was faithful. Even when things were falling apart, when things don't seem to be going the way she thought they should go or would want them to go, she could see the goodness in all of it because she saw the goodness of God in everything. He trusted him completely with her life. And she wanted to devote her life 100% back to him. And she understood the love that it took for our savior to put on a human tent and come down and die for our sins. And she was set free by, by that, the penalty of her own sin. And she wanted to see others set free. And she devoted her life to the work. And she understood that Jesus said, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. And so she became a servant of Jesus Christ and up until she died. And she died when she was 94. Yeah, she died when she was 94. And 1915 is when she passed away. Two of the songs I thought, the hymns that she wrote, one we probably all have heard of or have sang ourselves, and it's called Blessed Assurance. 
And I'm not going to sing it because I'm not, I'm going to spare that for you. I am not a soprano singer like uh, Fanny was, but um, I love some of the words. I'm just, I was just picturing her and she's blind and she's writing these beautiful hymns out. She's, she's writing them to her savior. And then she has this heart that she's praying that they will touch, that these hymns will touch at least a million people onto the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think of this song has touched millions upon millions upon millions of people all around the world just this song alone it has been sang in churches all over the world it has been sang by multiple artists all over the world and i just thought of some of these highlight highlighted some of the lyrics where it says you know blessed assurance jesus is mine oh what a foretaste of glory divine heir of salvation purchase of god born of his spirit and washed in his blood and here she is she's able to see the glorious gospel of salvation for her soul she was able to take her eyes off of problems and off of you know the hardships of walking in this earth the the distractions that are all around us and say you know I was purchased. It was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I am an heir with Christ. I have been born again. And here's the course. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my savior all the day long. She was able to praise him when her child was taken from her at such a young age. She was able to praise him when she was blind and could not see. And then she did go to a doctor later on in life and they had tried to see if they could correct her vision. And, and they said, no, there's nothing we can do for you. And she's like, that's okay. Because she, she understood that this blindness actually was a gift from God to her. That's so opposite of what we hear today in the modern gospel, isn't it? Today we hear like God would, if God allows blindness, then it's because you've you know, you don't have enough faith to be healed or because, you know, you, you know, you just have to believe you have to have faith and you have to be healed from this instead of seeing the circumstances. This is my, my calling to go through this and God is glorified in it. And I'm going to use it to bring him glory. We're always looking to a way to eradicate everything that brings hardship into our life. But she understood that this was her story. This is her song. This was her calling to 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 be able to take. She understood that we are we are living in a fallen world, and though we are born again and we are new creations in Christ, we still have this fallen tent that we are in, and we still this body still has defects, and it goes through things. And yes, God does still heal today. Of course, I believe that. He can do whatever he wants. He's God. And I've seen him miraculously do amazing things in people's lives and bring healing. He has brought such healing in my own life, but it also was for my good and his glory in those times and those seasons. And I'm able to use that now to help other people. And so I can see that perspective. She goes on to say, perfect submission, perfect delight, vision of rapture now burst on my sight. So if she never could see, she's never seen a day in her life that we know of and, or that she even knows of, even if she could see for those first six weeks, but she could see 
the glory, the glory of God through the reading of scripture. She could see the glory of God through her service and her sacrifice of laying her life down to serve other people. So the angels descending bring from above echoes of mercies, whispers of love. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my savior all the day long. She was able to praise him and see him for who he is, for, for the great and glorious majesty, awesome, loving God that has his hand on everything in our lives, even blindness, even sickness, even death, even persecution, financial troubles, marital problems, friendships, work, everything we go through. God's sovereign hand is on it. If you are truly his, you are in the palm of his hand and he, nothing is getting by him and he is using everything for your good and for his glory. And so we need to prayerfully think about what in our life have we not accepted for whatever reason, we've been told not to accept it. We've been told that can't possibly be God. We've been told that we we can't live a complete life if we're we don't if everything's not perfect. If we don't have all the health and the wealth and the prosperity. It, what then we can't be living in our full potential. Well, I think Fanny proves us wrong that everything doesn't have to be perfect to live to your full potential when you live your life for Christ when you're sold out to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I just pray that um, this story just blesses you and that you can see God's infinite glory. And maybe you can write songs to him and write poetry. Maybe you're a writer. Maybe you're somebody who who does that. Maybe you can go and recite things for him or um, you know, just love people. Look for your local missions that you can go and help in your local homeless shelters or um, women's battered um, shelters or just go on the streets and, and and minister to homeless people or 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 maybe go to you know um, hospitals or nursing homes. I mean, there's so much work to be done uh, for the Lord that, that you can be used even in the middle of maybe something you're going through. One thing I have learned in my own life is that when I'm going through things, serving really helps get me outside of me and focused on others. And helping others. It gets it focused off the, my problem and I can go and help others. And it brings such healing to do that. And so, um, Lord, I just lift up uh, whoever's watching this, whoever's listening to this on the podcast, that you would just touch their lives to help give them new perspective, new eyes to see the things that they've gone through, the things that they're going through, Lord. And we do go through some really hard things. And I just pray, Lord, that you will help them to see how it's for their good and your glory, that they can use these trials to become a triumphant message for somebody else. Our messes become messages, right? Our trials become the triumph in other people's lives. And so I pray, Father, that you are using uh, my sisters to just do amazing things for you. It is not an accident that we were born and, and we are in the season of life that we are in in this time in history. Father, we are we are where we are, whether you're in America, Canada, you're in India, Africa, wherever you are, God has you there. And so I just pray that you will continue to seek him by learning his word, 
surround yourself with the body of Christ and go and be the church. God bless you. And as always, I am here. Anything you need, check me out on uh, be the church ministry.com on the podcast. I'm always here um, to help guide in any way that I can. I love you guys so, so much. God bless you. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace I leave with you until next time.